Hello and welcome to another episode of Animalia, the podcast all about animals. And the weird and interesting things that they do. I'm Farley. And I'm Annie. And today we have a special guest with us, Izzy. Hello. Izzy is a friend from uni who helped with a lot of my research and did some of her own research with black swans. And she's about to go back to her home, which is in England. And we are very sad to be losing her. I'm I'm sad to be leaving too. (laughs) Well, we thought we'd bring Izzy on for a quick little short. Um, And just to confuse you, she does have another accent. So now there'll be officially three accents on this podcast. I feel like that's less confusing rather than more confusing. I think that's more confusing. I think it just adds a whole layer of, you know, brilliantness, especially with the English accent. I think it's just better than both of yours. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Off to a good start. (laughs) Just so aggressive (laughs) already. I'm getting into character, okay? (laughs) All right. So for today's podcast, uh, we thought we'd play a little game. And so the three of us have made a list of three different animals unique to our you know, respected countries. So I have three U.S. Izzy has three from what? Great Britain or I've is gone, it? I've gone, yeah, Britain and Eurasia. I've got that. So you have a continent. Okay, good. Great. That's very fair. Okay. I feel like, okay, the U.S. versus Australia versus England. <laughs> <laughs> like we're quite small. <laughs> Don't know if you noticed that. That's true. Yeah. And then Austra- uh, in Australia, obviously, Annie will be doing all the Australian animals. Yeah. And so to be clear, the rules here are we're just listing the best things about these animals. And at the end, Dave is going to be our judge and deciding which of these animals, in his opinion, based on our arguments, is the best, the most interesting. All right. So for my first animal, I chose the sea otter, possibly the cutest animal in the world. Um, This is hard to argue with. (laughs) I've got some ideas. Not only that, but they also have the densest fur in the animal kingdom. So they're the softest animals in the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. They are one of the only animals outside of corvids and apes that actually know how to use tools because they actually will dive down, collect a rock and smash primarily abalone on them. So they're smart. And if the furry little cute things weren't enough, they also form rafts, usually of one sex, primarily males. And there'll be between 10 and 1,000 of them. And they all wrap each other together in these little tight ball called rafts. And they float around together. So that's my animal. animal. Well then, Farley. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, they're cute. But I um, I see your otter and I raise you badger. (laughs) Okay. Now I'm going to... I'm going to say right now, I have not prepared very much and uh, (laughs) I'm not going to claim all of my facts are going to be wholly scientific. Um, But I can say that badgers are really adorable as well. They're black and white. So, you know, not racist. (laughs) (laughs) And a really cool thing about badgers is that they make these amazing sets, these burrows, um, which last for generations. And they actually pass their sets between uh each generation so their parents will pass it on to their young and so on they share them with other animals so they're sharing they're very tidy and keep to themselves which i really appreciate as an english person it's so british they've got great personalities guys you know they're really um yeah they're just they're just good stuff (laughs) 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 um and yeah so they they tidy up they have latrines um just all around like nice characters (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right, Annie. 
All right. Well, since you two have decided to start with your cute ones, I've decided to start with the platypus, which is, I mean, the most obvious of the iconic Australian animals to me. They are, they have a duck bill, webbed feet, a paddled beaver-like tail that they use to store fat. They, the males have a venomous spur. So on top of being adorable, they're also kind of dangerous. They have dense waterproof fur. They lay eggs, which is obviously very weird for a mammal. So they're monotremes like the echidna. They produce milk, but they don't have nipples. Um, they don't have stomachs either. <laughs> How does that go along with cute? <laughs> Nippleless milk producers. Okay. They're is super cute. They produce milk with no nipples. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe weird. Maybe yeah. weird. But they are adorable. Cute. Like they you can't watch a platypus and not think that yeah, is the cutest is, thing. He's got a point that, like, you know, nippleless is, <laughs> is not exactly, you know, I don't look at a platypus and go, oh, God. Actually, have, Look at that lack of nipples. <laughs> I just want to cuddle it so much. Actually, having touched a platypus, so I've caught multiple of them. Yeah. They're the soft, one of the softest animals I've ever touched. And also their bill isn't hard. It's actually super leathery and soft. It's mm. incredible. I still have some more platypus things to say. Um, <laughs> the final thing that I'm sure I've missed plenty of stuff. Oh, their, their bill is cool actually because it they when they hunt for their food underwater, they close their eyes and their nostrils and their ears and they rely on their bill to find their food, which I think is pretty cool. It's pretty rad. And they also have 10 sex chromosomes, which is bizarre. Yeah. Mm. And that, that doesn't seem very functional. It's just very inefficient. Yeah. That, so, is, that is so, so cute. Yeah, yeah. So males have – so humans, we have one X, one Y – the in the platypus they have either 10 x's in which case they're a female or five x's and five y's and they're male and there's nothing else that is so weird <laughs> seems like an inefficient animal seems like this one is kind of losing it just it's sounds a very like... poorly made animal <laughs> yeah yeah it's not fake actually well you know yeah. what i reckon that's what they first thought when they found the platypus yeah. isn't it they brought it back and and, and thought it was some, a hoax some dude yeah, was maybe like, it still is i think sounds like a hoax. sewed a, <laughs> yeah. a duck together with a beaver and you know, I just... I mean, actually, technically, when I caught them, too, it was an Australian who found it first and then showed me it. So it could be Australians just playing a big hoax on us. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's another drop bear, isn't it? It could be. <laughs> I thought drop bears were a thing for so long. <laughs> this is... Not even joking. <laughs> All right, quick context for drop bears. It's a koala that is massive and vicious that drops down and attacks humans. So the fact that Izzy believed that is a little pathetic. I just... Oh. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Away from cute, I chose an animal that's near and dear to my heart because I owned one at one point. It is the alligator snapping turtle. And why they are so cool is, one, they're a spiky shelled turtle that also, because they're so dormant, get covered in algae. They are the largest freshwater turtle in the U.S. and one of the largest in the world. They are, can be up to 26 inches long, 66 centimeters, and weigh up to 220 pounds or 100 kilos. So they are massive. It's huge. That's huge. Um, <clears throat> and I think the coolest two facts is one, their bite is so intense that it actually can break other human fingers off or also break a broomstick in half. There's videos you can watch them breaking a broomstick. But I think the craziest thing is they have a uniquely evolved appendage on their tongue that they will just gently move their tongue and this little pinky, pink fleshy thing wiggles and that's how they attract animals to their mouth. So they'll sit underwater, mouth open, and just wiggle their tongue. And this little appendage wiggles like a little worm. That sounds incredibly creepy to me. Oh, it's awesome. I know. 
I feel like I should call the police. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure I enjoy that. (laughs) Okay, well, we don't have many reptiles, so I can't really match you there. Um, But what I will say is that um, we produce arguably the best human that has ever been produced, which is also an animal, which is Charles Darwin. Um, I'm not claiming. I'm not claiming oh him. My God. No. <laughs> okay, guys. I figured that that's stretching it a little bit. So I'm not claiming him. But one of his favorite uh, types of animal, groups of animals, were the barnacles. <laughs> really? So Darwin actually, for a, a while before he actually um, broached the origin on the origin of the species. Um, he studied barnacles for a very long time. He's very interested in their classification and um, their life history, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm coming with uh, a British species British species of barnacle, um, semi-balanus balanoides. Oh <laughs> this seems Go on. so ridiculous. <laughs> I, let me tell you <laughs> that the ridiculousness gets more because they have the largest... Penis to body size ratio <laughs> of any animal on the planet. Okay, given that's like barnacles as a group, but I'm claiming barnacles. But are you saying you're one species, <laughs> but, the British version? No, I'm just saying them as part yeah, of yeah. the group. Okay, so um, they can actually, I mean, think about a barnacle. These are usually about 1.5 centimeters in diameter, um, but they can uh, they can stretch their penis to, uh, what's the word? Fertilize another barnacle five centimeters away. That's crazy. Think yeah. about that for a second. I dream of being that. Yeah. 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 Five centimeters. Wow. That's the sounds, dream. Sounds right? practical. <laughs> I also think they're masters. That's very impractical. Is that you? Oh, oopsie. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, Reach. Oh, no, no, oh, no. Sally? Jim, sorry. No, Sally, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, could be a hindrance, but I think it's cool. Uh, <laughs> another thing I think is really cool about them is that they're like masters of deception. You'd think they're a mollusk, right? Mollusks being things like uh, limpets and uh, mo- uh, what else is a mollusk? <laughs> snail. Octopus, snail, yeah. that whole group of slimy things. Um, but they're actually uh, a sessile crustacean, um, which while it's in its larval form is, is floating in the water column, but then it settles on a rock next to a, another member of its same species and will um, form its little home and chill out there and uh, use its, uh, I think they're called cirri, which are like little tentacles for filter feeding. Um, so I think they they get major points for being, you know, deceptive, not a mollusk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my argument. <laughs> not a mollusk. Not a mollusk. <laughs> and and <So>. massive penis. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, two and strong arguments <laughs> It's not something in a big penis. So it has a big penis is what you're saying. And it's not a mollusk. Yeah. All right. Guys, we just shortened these things a little bit. Yeah, but if you really extended for like three minutes. Look, <sighs> we will take the time we need <laughs> to justify our animals. We need to give them. <laughs> I told you three was too many. I warned you. She did. You know? She yeah. Did. All right. All right. So, so my next is the spiny leaf insect. So I feel like, yeah, keeping, keeping on the invertebrate train. Um, so the spiny leaf insect is just generally awesome in so many ways. They can, the females can produce, reproduce asexually. So if there's no males around, they'll just produce little clones of themselves. And the eggs that they lay look like seeds. And so those seeds get carried by ants 
underground where they'll safe, be safe, and then they hatch. And when they hatch, they actually look quite a lock like ants. So it means they can creep out of the the ant's nest without being detected. Super sneaky. And then when they grow up, they as they grow too, um, it's their colouring isn't just genetic. So if you put a spiny leaf insect as a baby in a room with a lot of lichen, then they'll can form this really cool lichen patterning. It just looks amazing. We'll have to show you some photos. And I feel like I had more to say about them, but we'll probably have to leave it there. That's, that's pretty that's rad. That's pretty good. I've got yeah. one, one question for you, Annie. Mm. Is it a mollusk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, so it means the same as a barnacle. It has that. It's not yeah, a mollusk. Also, not a mollusk. <laughs> well, the strongest argument. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have another non-mollusk um, for my third one. Uh, it is a loggerhead shrike, which is the type Ooh. of bird. Okay, so they live... I think all throughout the States, but specifically the my only encounters of them has been in California. And they're this very cute songbird who if you saw it from afar, you'd think like, oh, it's a really cute little bird. But once you get to know their behavior, it's quite unique. So what they will do is when they catch their prey, which is primarily lizards or insects or frogs, they impale them on thorns or more commonly because humans have taken over barbed wire fences. And so you'll go oh through <laughs> a farm area and we'll walk along the barbed wire fence. You'll just see frog, lizard, and they're impaled. So they impale them, eat their bodies, and then leave the rest of the body impaled on the barb. And they're said to do this not only to eat, but also they can store food that way. So they can leave it, catch something else, store it, go back, impale, store, impale, store. But also they impresses females. And my favorite thing, they sometimes use it to mark their territory. So other shrikes know when there's a line oh of lizard heads on a barbed wire fence. Oh dear. Probably shouldn't come here. There's some other guy here. Oh, that's that's nasty, Farley. Yeah. I, I don't like, think I don't think that's cool. <laughs> I feel like Farley led us into a trap. Like started with the cute otter, then we had slightly yeah. creepy, creepy reptile tortoise, and then now we have these super super sinister birds. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. It's the American way. <laughs> America. Come, yeah. um, we accept everybody. Oh, Not really. Say, can you see? Um, yeah. <laughs> also, I thought sea otters, they've got a, a dark side, haven't they? What? I mean, they hold hands when they sleep. They're no, not the dark side. No, You know what? I'm not even going to talk about it on here because it's so nasty. But <laughs> you once you finish listening to this, maybe go and Google oh, sea otters. Oh, it's when they roll around in kelp and they, they get all tangled no, in it so they can sleep while no, sitting still? No, it's worse than that. Gotcha. I don't. I don't want to speak of it. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not mollusks either. Now that I think of it. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Never that's mind. Fine then. Yeah. <laughs> We're all winners here today. <laughs> okay, your final one. Okay, my final one is a, a common sighting in the British countryside, especially where I grew up. Well, the the group is anyway. It's a bumblebee, and. Um, I've chosen one called the short-haired bumblebee because it's the only one I know a lot about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, And a really cool fact about this one is that um, it actually, well, not cool, it went extinct in the UK. um, I can't remember when exactly, but, you know, last century um, because we chopped down all of its habitat. Thanks, guys. Just going to let Farley remove his cat from the situation. (laughs) (laughs) So they went extinct. They went extinct. And, um, but before that happened, uh, they actually got transported to New Zealand 
for some reason, um, <laughs> on some of the first ships that carried refrigerated goods, which I think is really cool. So that's like a non-biological, cool, historical fact about a bumblebee for you guys. Um, so they travelled in fridges to New Zealand where they were introduced to uh, help pollinate um, things like clover so they could feed their cows. Um, and then many years in the future, uh, we then decided to reintroduce them to our country and um, we decided to try and get them from New Zealand. Didn't work. We got them from Sweden instead. But the reintroduction worked. And I think that's a really cool fact because that's not something that happens all that often. That uh, you, when you reintroduce a species to a country, um, it's, it's pretty hard, right? Conservation's tough. Um, but these guys seem to be doing okay. They live like the southeast of England, like near Brighton. Um, and they're really pretty. They're fluffy. They're like little <laughs> flagship species for, for insects, which not normally considered cuddly and fluffy. So mm. I raise your sea otter and my badger, Bumblebee. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> she, she, she's leaving, guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So my final animal, I feel like I couldn't go past the superb flyer bird. They are impressive because of their incredible songs, 80% of which is usually mimicked from other species. And they don't actually learn these songs from the species around them so much as they learn them from other adults. So this is a mostly culturally transmitted behaviour, and they, but they do pick up some other things from their environment as well. So I actually have a recording of a lyrebird here. This is unfair. Yeah. <laughs> this is very unfair. Ref from when Ref. we went to... Yeah. <laughs> um, hang on. Liar, 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 yeah. liar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what was that the recording? A wow, Annie, that was so good. Yeah. They know their name. <laughs> so that's a liar bird imitating two kookaburras at once. That sounds like a rosella. Mm-hmm. Those last bits were not the live bit. <laughs> so the podcast was just interrupted by the delivery of free cheese for Farley's research. <laughs> After a year and a half of my PhD, actually two years of my PhD, using cheese on a daily basis, my neighbor works for a cheese company. <laughs> okay, so Liarbird. Liarbird. This is all just one bird, one male. And he does this to try and attract a lady. And the females sing too, but I don't think they sing quite as much. And these are all, every single call is unique bird call, correct? Mm. They're all a bird call of a different bird. Yeah, so he's just going through all his repertoire right now. And at the same time... Does he, he dances? Yes. Yeah. And so one cool thing about lyrebirds too is they coordinate their dance moves with their song. Um, this has been shown in research. So, That's so cool. Yeah, really cool. And they also look really impressive. Like the, the males have these super ornate pretty tails. So that is my final species and I feel like it is by far the most impressive and it is also not a mollusk. <laughs> wow. So is this, is this rebuttal time? I think it's rebuttal time. America has badgers, so... Boom. Uh, you have honey badgers. Oh. And Actually, honey badgers are from Africa. Are they? So we have... <gasps> I did not know that. Yeah, we have a different kind of badger. 
I know, yeah. Well, I was talking about European badges, obviously. I'm saying we have them though, so um, sorry. But you don't have so, European badges, And we do also you? have barnacles because every country in the world has barnacles. Yeah, but do you have Charles Darwin? Like these specific <laughs> barnacles I'm talking about are his favorite ones from no trusted source that I can... celebrity endorsements. <laughs> I, I, I Steve Irwin, they win then. <laughs> and he wins instantly with Steve Irwin, in my opinion. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, what, He's done you more think- for wildlife, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let that sit there for a second. <laughs> All right. So now's the time, Dave. Verdict. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's a whole heap of pressure here. Don't know why you'll hate mollusks so much. Um, I mean, come on. Um, I think I'm going to have to go over the bumblebee, really. Yes! It's just so yes! wholesome and cute. And the fact it was reintroduced afterwards, that's just such a crazy, cool story. Oh, my God. I think I feel like I've won a marathon or something. <laughs> Thank you so much. They are really cool. And if you want to learn about them, you should read a book by Dave Goulson called Bequest, I think. Or also, didn't you create something? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I also created a video, which you can find on YouTube. It's called Bumblebees, A Lesson in Conservation. And I'll, I'll post on our page yeah. and probably post on Instagram as well. So you, you guys can watch it through you that. You guys can go watch and learn all about that whole thing that I, I feel just like talked we've about. made it sound like we've just set up this I entire not, thing. You, know, <laughs> you guys, okay, you guys, that was you. That was not me. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. This has been really fun. Well, thank you for joining us. Cool. Thank you again. <laughs> Thanks so much, Easy, for joining us today. And stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Animalia Podcast is hosted by Annie Orsbrook and Farley Connolly, with occasional interjections by me, the sound engineer, David Roker. Our logo is designed by Osvaldo Franklin-Yong, and all original music is by Sean Pratt.